Super Yacht Radio. We are live with the update USSA after some technical troubles. I'm so sorry for keeping everybody waiting. We're a little bit late starting with update USSA today. And the beautiful Kitty McGowan, of course, is with Hello. us. And she's brought some new we victims have some for the show. Today. Guests. I keep saying I have victims. Some new victims. <laughs> I do say victims, but it's not victims. They're just new to the show, so we're gonna we're gonna like wind them in real fast because I know Dave, you'll uh, you'll have your way with them. But uh, it's a great day to start our holiday weekend for here in America. This is the start of our Independence Weekend, Fourth oh, of, of July. July. Which is- is on Sunday. That's the reason those people that are listening can't see that I'm wearing my stars well, I, and stripes. I thought I thought Fourth of and- July was cancelled now that we've got Juneteenth. <laughs> guess I'm wrong. You, you are going to go there today. I can see that. <laughs> see, Maeve's not here. I can yeah, say no. stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that. No, no, we still have it for the time being. Good. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that uh, your Rachel uh, will be doing her best to get rid of the Fourth of July. <laughs> your we, friend Rachel Maddow will do her we, very best. I love, I love her. I love her. She, she's I a know wonderful you do. But I have some fabulous guests, and we have lots of really cool stuff to talk about. Actually, it's kind of a very serious topic for a holiday weekend, oh. but it's a really important topic. So these are the topics that, if you aren't paying attention, can get you into a world of you-know-what. So uh, um, we're going to get right to it. We have uh, Eric Spire, who is head of Super Yacht, Blue Water Super Yacht Bridge Services, and I'm sure all of you guys know Blue Water Books and Charts. Mm-hmm. Um He's also a captain with a hundred ton license. And uh, when he's not working on the bridge, I have seen his lovely restored Boston Whaler. It's absolutely stunning. Um, So we'll have, we're going to hear from him about some of the cool things about Ectus, which when every time I hear that, I'm saying, God bless you, because it sounds like a (laughs) sneeze, but it's really a very important thing. And our other guest today, who's going to add a lot of tremendous color here, is Peter Southgate, who's not only a shipbuilder, a naval architect, a marine surveyor with 35 years experience, which I don't believe because he doesn't look that old. Um, He's been in the maritime industry. He's a member of the Royal Institute of Naval Architects. He's worked with Lloyd's. He's been in passenger ships and yachts. He's been in everything. He's a regular... um, on pretty much every show that has to do with anything having to do with large yacht code ly2 he's a regional director to the americas to the maritime authority of the cayman islands and is responsible for the authority's technical operations in america phew all that being said (laughs) could you not just introduce him and tell us what he doesn't do because that's a lot quicker. I know it's be a shorter list because <laughs> Peter's my go-to guy. Whenever I have a problem with a flag, I say, "Peter, Pete, what can I do?" And he'll he's right there on the spot. So but he's, he's got lots of stuff and an opportunity to weigh in on crew accommodations for red ensign boats. So you instantly made me feel bad about myself. Well done, Peter. I know, me too. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like an underachiever with these two. Yeah, I, I'm afraid to ask anything. You know, it's best to stay quiet and be thought a fool. That's what my dad used to say. Well, let's let's start with let's start with Eric. I mean, just so we can kind of talk about in terms of because then they the two fit together so perfectly. I thought it was a perfect mix of of guests. What is first of all? What is Ectus for those people that are uninformed? 
why is it important and who needs it? Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, so ECTIS stands for Electronic Chart Display Information System. Um, and for people unfamiliar with the term, it's it's similar to what you may see on a small boat, a Garmin type thing. Uh, but in this case, it's a far bigger computer um, that are that has to pass rigorous testing and standards set forth, uh, I think, by the IMO uh, or other regulatory bodies um, that allows vessels to navigate around the world without the use of paper charts. So they can use different types or a specific type of electronic chart that we can get into later. Um, and the rules governing what they can and can't show on that are all, are all very serious. The good news is they don't have to carry big folios of paper charts everywhere. Um, Could so I it's, ask, it's Eric, a, do they need backup? That's, that's a great question. Uh, my stock answer is paper doesn't fail. It's really cheap insurance. So I would always recommend that you take mm -hmm. paper charts with you. Uh, but I think, and, and Peter can weigh in here, legally speaking, or you know, from the insurance side, the regulatory side, if you are ECTUS approved and meet all those requirements, then not necessarily no. And also your crew are ECTUS approved, which I just learned from you this week. Right. So not only do you have to, uh, to, to, to be ECTUS, to not carry paper, you need to have a certain amount of crew that are ECTUS certified, uh, officers of the watch on their, um, you know, on their Mariner or their master certificate. Um, but they also then need to be approved on the specific type of ECTUS. So think, you know, you've got Garmin, Raymarine, all these different manufacturers, there's different ECTUS manufacturers. So you have kind of a blanket certification um, and then you need a specific type approved. And the type approved ones aren't really that hard to get. I mean, a lot of them you can do online, um, but this does mean if you have crew changeover or something and you lose an officer and the new officer comes in that may be ECTUS approved, he may not be the type approved for that specific system. Uh -huh. so, uh, so it's important for, for vessels to kind of keep that in the back of their head. When you say type approved, is that um, as in the manufacturer of that particular system? Uh, like uh, trans yeah, exactly. Transactor is one, or is that that kind of Tr thing? Transus is, is, Transus, a, is a great example. Yep. Um, yeah, they're, they're made all over the world. Um, Transus is a big name, and often what we see a lot of crew are trained on, it's probably the one I see the most on a bridge. Um, and so, yeah, you have to be a you have to learn that specific software uh, and get an endorsement. It's not, I'm not sure what the right word there. Maybe it's a bit but. like if I was in an office, I need to be trained up on Microsoft Word or WordPress or Lotus Notes, if that's still around. That's the kind of thing you're, you're talking about. Lotus Notes. <laughs> I'm old school, Dang. girl. You are definitely aging yourself on that one, babe. <laughs> uh, hey, when I started with IT, I literally was learning, and my first uh, programming was on printed cards, punch yes. cards, punch cards. Yep. Anyway, sorry, Eric, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, that's that's fine. I was, uh, yeah. So the the type approval process to to actually like get your so it's it's a a computer that's the display in the system, it actually has to go through approval through regulatory bodies such as the IMO, uh, which means that it takes quite a lot of time, quite a lot of money. These systems aren't cheap, um, but it also means uh, for the sake of the Mariner that there should be really bulletproof, right? You know, they, they shouldn't have bugs in the system. Mm -hmm. uh, they should be tested very well, which means people can rely on them and, you know, rely on in case of emergency. And, and not connected to and the internet. 
I was just going to ask Peter. Um, so from from the Cayman Island side um, side point, um, what what is your points on your feelings on ECTUS and yeah. how does that play I mean, into your port state? I mean, firstly, you know, the IMO has mandated ECTUS on certain ship types of a certain size, so um, that obviously forces the issue. Whereas most most large yachts, um, because they're below three thousand gross tons, they're not. Um, you know, ECTUS is not. Um, Man mandatory. However, um, obviously, if a vessel wants to to, to go ECTIS or paperless, as we we call it, um, effectively paperless means they don't need to necessarily carry paper charts. Um, is there are certain uh, uh, things that you have to do? And as as Eric has mentioned, first of all, you need a type approved ECTIS system, but that's just part of the of the equation. The set the next part, of course, is that system then has to be integrated into the vessel. And typically, the process for us is that is handled by class societies. They will actually assess the installation of the ECTIS unit, make sure that the backup arrangements are in place, um, and so on and so forth. Obviously, if you've, you haven't got a paper chart to rely on and you have a failure in a computer, as um, as our colleague on the radio had before we started, <laughs> um, then you're you're a little bit stuck. So um, I think the so so the, the the actual system, uh, the onboard installation, then needs to be approved. And then, as Eric has mentioned, the the watchkeepers need to be trained um, not only um, in ECTUS in, in general, because obviously dealing with paper charts is, is a, uh, sorry, electronic charts is a different uh, uh, ball game. I'm I'm kind of old school myself. I came from paper drawings, and now of course everything is CAD, and you know, so you know, to, to make that transition, you've got to understand how the ECTIS works and how to get the data that you need, obviously, for um, safe navigation. Um, so the generic training is is mandatory for all all watch keepers and and then the uh, as Eric has also mentioned the type specific well now the type specific has moved on it used to be used to have a type specific training certificate but now that training can be handled actually on board so you can actually if you as long as you've got the generic training you can then um, apply you can actually learn the the system, if you like, the onboard system um, by onboard familiarization means, and that's now. And this is part, and, and the the, the, the arrangements for ECTIS would also be part of the safety management system. It'd be something that we'd be looking at for procedures. So when we go on board to do audits and things like that, we'd be looking for, you know, um, how ECTIS, you know, how the ECTIS system is operated and updated, and and so on and so forth. And just a just a final point. One of the um, key things that obviously came into, well, uh, the IMO has been looking at cybersecurity aspects for for a number of years. Yeah, I was going to ask that. <laughs> it, well, exactly. So as of the first of uh, January this year, um, cybersecurity measures are now uh, mandatory in all safety management systems. And of course, ECTIS is um, is a form of operational technology as opposed to information technology, and it's integral. Is 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 essential? Sorry, that the ECTIS system is protected from cyber threats, um, and they may be malicious or you know, may may not be malicious. It may be inadvertent cyber threats. So, so part of the procedure now is is to see well, how does how do the crew update the ECTIS? You know, um, you, you know, do they just um, and I and again, I won't call my my colleague out but um did it just grab a jump drive and update it um yes. probably not the best thing to do yeah, so well, that's what they so do. that's it <laughs> that, 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 that that's is what in they a, do in a nutshell <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. But if they do that, then of course that, there, there is a problem, as you as you have uh, seen. So, so yeah. So the, the package there's a, there's a package of of data mm. and, and approval status and training, um, and obviously ongoing uh, certification that is required for vessels to operate um, in a in a paperless mode. I, I now, always, so you I can't always thought that as a, a paper chart. I mean, so there's that you can't hack a paper chart. Uh, you so, could scribble on it or draw a rock where it's not. But... It, yeah, and I could I could doodle on it. But I mean, so but so then what are the like pros and cons of that? I mean, so I mean, if I mean, there's, I've been, I've been hearing about Actus for a long time, and and as Peter, you know, clearly pointed out that it's 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 mandated over three hundred gross three thousand gross tons. So then why would a yacht do it? And and if not Actus. And they don't want to necessarily go paper, all paper. Is there other technologies or other things that boats can take advantage of or or use that aren't quite so complicated or or so regulated as Ectus is? Sure. I, I you know, I think I could give you a great use case for Ectus. You've you've got a charter boat in wherever, it doesn't matter in the med. Um, and they don't know where their next charter is going to be. So if they're not an Ectus vessel, they're a paper vessel, they would need to mm-hmm. carry all the required paper charts for the entire Mediterranean or where they may be able to pick up this charter. And those charts would need to stay updated weekly. Um, I know every first officer I've ever talked to loves doing paper chart corrections. Uh, and you know, it's, it's quite a bit of charts to keep up to date. With an Ectus, you simply need to update it once a week through hopefully some secure means. Uh, and then theoretically, you can do passage planning, route planning anywhere around you uh, without having to necessarily um, have that paper on board and be updated. So from a crew standpoint, it's it's maybe less work on the day-to-day. Um, mm-hmm. Depending on how you buy your charts for the Ectus, it can be cheaper long-term. And I'm just talking about actually buying the charts, certainly buying the systems are a whole other thing. I don't sell Ectuses, we just sell charts that run on them. Uh, in fact, we leave that to the the hardware guys and they, we to Peter's point, we actually rely on them to kind of give us guidance on how it should be updated as I am specifically not a qualified Ectus technician, full disclosure, I just know what charts run on them and what we would recommend uh, boats use. There's a couple of new systems, I, I say relatively new, uh, pay-as-you-sail is really, really popular these days. Um, and so basically the yacht mm. is tracked via SATC or AIS and they get the whole world in the Ectus. So they can look and say, okay, what would it, how long would it take us to get from here to Antarctica right now? Um, they're not actually charged for the use of those ENCs, the electronic navigation charts that are in the Ectus until they physically cross into that zone. So from a budgetary standpoint, if you've got a yacht that moves around a lot, that maybe has an owner that changes his mind last minute, um, it, it may be a more effective and cheaper way for the vessels to make sure they have updated charts on board. Because uh, again, the alternative is, oh, hey, the boss wants to you know, head to Antarctica. Eric, what charts do you have? Can you get them sent here immediately? Uh, so that's, there, it takes away a lot of those logistics. Could I ask if you use that system, and so let's take your example, let's say we're going from Boston in a beautiful Boston whaler maybe or something like that, and then we're heading to Antarctica, um, and so, I I don't know, let's let's say uh, Caribbean area, and I enter that area, then I get that, that chart, I'm billed for it because I'm using it now, 
How long does that chart? How, does, how long does that allow me? Do, am I allowed just three use months? It? It's three months. So, so if I come back within three months, that's fine. Otherwise, I pay again. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's that is set forth by pricing from the United Kingdom Hydrographic Office. Uh, who is kind of the primary supplier of charts and ectus. That's You can get them elsewhere. There are third parties that package them up. But one of the key specifics to ectus is that the charts that you run in them have to come from an authoritative body, a specific hydrographic office like the UKHO, uh, NOAA in North America, Canadian Hydro, something like that. There are a lot of, and this, this is... Another point, there's other charts you can run in Ectus that makes it not become an Ectus, but they may actually have better data for where you're going, which I could talk to. But the the smallest time period you can license a chart from any of these organizations is usually three months, three, six, nine, or 12 months. Um, and the way that the pay-as-you-sale system works just automatically opens it up for three months. So as long as you stay in that area, um, or let's say you're just sitting you know, the whole time after that three months, it'll just open up that cell again. I mean, that kind of fits in with a lot of the timelines on most cruising anyway. I mean, in some, in some areas, if you stay longer than 90 days, you gotta either buy into the, the area, you can't just go on a cruising license, you have to actually make, you know, spend extra additional dollars in that particular area where you are or pay additional taxes. So that kind of fits into that, which is kind of interesting. I never heard of that before. Um, no, that that's cool. I mean, so now, I mean, how do you get paper charts? I mean, if you're like cruising all over the Met, I mean, I even if I decided I wanted to do paper, I mean, how would one get those things? I mean, you guys well, ship them to them or? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much that simple. We've the, the paper chart world, if you can believe it, is modernized. Um, so we're, we we don't buy any charts from the UKHO anymore. We print them all here. Uh, which serves a couple of great purposes. Number one is when we give the boats the charts, they're hot off the printers, which means they're corrected and up to date through that week. They haven't been sitting around in our drawers. Our chart correctors haven't needed to update them. Uh, but it also means we can get things really last minute. We don't have to purchase ahead of time. So if we do have a boat going somewhere far afield that we wouldn't have charts in stock for, we can get them, you know, realistically next day. And yeah, it's, it's really that simple. You know, we ship all over the world. Um, we have competitors and friends that, you know, if you're, you really need something tomorrow, we may call someone up in Europe and say, Hey, can you ship this out of there just to get it to the boat quicker? Mm -hmm. Uh, but with international shipping these days, it's, it's not a terribly arduous process to get it, but most boats tend to kind of have seasonal things and they'll come see us in the time between them and they'll swap out, say their Caribbean stuff. And then they'll leave it here with us for the, the summer and they'll take all their med all corrected over and then they'll swap it back when they come in October. But if they take the med, if you're saying they have to be updated every week, yeah. I mean, so I could pick up a stack of charts for the med for the season, but it's going to be out of date within two weeks. How, I, right. I, I never realized that before. That, is mm. that relatively new? I mean, I'm an old school person back from the 80s. So. And, and also, <laughs> if I could ask. We used to sextant back then. So. <laughs> but if I could ask Eric, in answering that, could you also tell us why they have to be updated so regularly? I, I knew there was a kind of annual thing, maybe with magnetic shift or whatever. But... Um, why so regularly? So the cartography offices in this case, let's use the UKHO as the prime example. They put NTMs, notice to mariners, out once a week. 
Um, and these are anything that could change on a chart. So for instance, a buoy, a sea buoy coming into Port Everglades here has been moved. Um, you would want to know that as soon as it happens, not you know six months down the line. And mm -hmm. so those, those notice to mariners are put out. In fact, you can get them for free for uh, British Admiralty charts. There are now services, though, to make it a lot easier that you download all that on your computer uh, and then you print out the tracing. Uh, you place it on the chart and you do your chart correction once a week. Uh, okay. um, so the, you know, technologies help that, but there is no, uh, and I'll let you finish here, Peter, but there's no, um, th you have to correct them. There's no yeah. way around that. If, if you want updated information, you've, you've got to sit there and, and just Class, do just a, and if you don't, just a sorry, quick question. Yeah, so I was going to say, if I may, just, I mean, and just, you know, one of the things we look for during surveys, of course, is, you know, when, when they, when they get the charts, you know, we're, we're looking to make sure that they're updated as, you know, so they don't just take the, you know, the summer portfolio, in the med and say right that's it we're good for the med net we're good for the summer now obviously part of the part of the process for us is verifying that the updates are being done um and, it, and as eric says there are tools available to do that um and you know we we get we get a lot of comfort if you go on board and you ask the the, the watch officer you know show me how show me how the you know firstly show me that that chart is up to date and secondly show me how you do that and if they can show you that process or you know it's documented in the procedure that obviously gives you a lot of comfort that they you know that they are updating the charts from time to time um could, could i ask a, a quick question with the updates i noticed last year I, I was watching some report about something uh container ship dropped about 300 containers or something in really, really rough weather that it, they hadn't been secured properly. Is that the kind of thing that would appear on an update? You know, no. You've got it, these it, floating containers or is that something that wouldn't it, go in there? It'd be more permanent thing. There's two types of noticed mariners, temporary and uh, preliminary and then, you know, sort of long-term permanent ones. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be more something that, you know, you would probably find through GMDSS or Navtex that would be given to the boat uh, in another form. You, you're, the, the stuff that you'd find on a paper chart are more, let's say there was a change to a, uh, a shipping lane scheme or something, or a buoy was moved, or for instance, uh, you know, when we have hurricanes, it changes the profile of mm -hmm. harbors going in and out. Uh, there is a constant, you know, uh, uh, ports and harbors are constantly dredging to make sure that they keep their controlling depths adequate and stuff. And as, as shoaling happens, uh, that would that would be updated on the chart. So as you uh, remeasure the bottom and take the bathymetric data to really see, you know, the contouring of the bottom, that's mm -hmm. the kind of data that they would update. Okay. Uh, cable laying is a very common one. You know, we're, we're moving laying. infrastructure around all the time. Cable. Right. So if there's a, a cable on the bottom that you need to make sure that, you know, if you're running a ground is bad enough, but when you run a ground and cut off a country's internet, uh, it's, it's even worse. So yeah. that's, that's kind of more the stuff that you would, you would be updating on the chart on a weekly basis. Fascinating. It was one of the things that I would see on, on boats back. I, I've not all about some boats where they'd be updating their, um, the transat system. And of course it was, not on the network, not on the internet. So, you know, for security. And then I'd see the, the captain or the chief mate 
taking a USB stick out of another PC and sticking it in there. I'm like, hey, did you scan that? <laughs> um, I know people have become a lot more aware these days of cyber threat, and, and I think that's uh, certainly changed. But it used to, you know, 10 years ago, you'd see that kind of thing quite often. Yeah, it's 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 a double-edged sword because I you know I think you know for years that's that's what we told people is don't you know what we were told by Ectus to tell our clients um, don't connect computers to the internet don't do this but you know obviously in today's society you lose a lot of the ability of the technology when you do that um, so there are some pretty slick third-party solutions out there now for updating Ectus either made by a third party or by the whoever made the Ectus Transis for instance, has something called a TransLink, which is a really essentially fancy router slash firewall that hooks into their Ectus and theoretically should only allow the correct updates to go back back and forth. And mm -hmm. so that's something that they've had to work out with this IMO 2021 cybersecurity compliance to make sure that they're following the right rules. But assuming they are, and you can rely on the hardware, uh, then you the, from the crew standpoint, they essentially press a button once a week when they're on BSAT and boom, their charts update, uh, which is obviously preferable to them over, you know, updating a hundred charts yeah. every week. That's, that's kind of the, the technological advantage there. What would happen if you didn't do that? I mean, if, what, I mean, like at the end of the day and you know, nothing goes wrong, but you got boarded by some authority and, you know, like, I mean, is what, what, are the, what would a boat be looking at in terms of some sort of, fallout i mean is there are there penalties are they criminal are they um financial peter could be, it could be it could be both i mean more, more likely you you know if you get if you get inspected um by a port state control inspector for example and they found that you weren't doing your updates or or one of our surveyors were to attend the vessel and found that the updates weren't being done then of course you know it is a deficiency um and of course you know it it, it can you know is either it can be a procedural issue it can be just a blip um but it's something that you know obviously each case is looked at on its merits but yeah no there is um there are obviously sanctions and and corrective actions that need to be implemented and of course you know if there was a collision or 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 something of that nature yeah. and it was found to be you know the fact that the charts were not updated as it were was a direct contrib contributing factor then of course that's something that you know that could lead to even further liability so you know it's, it's, it's vital that you know if you're using ectis or using paper charts that you you know you keep them up to date because as eric said i mean there's the, the change is happening sometimes they're minute and they they make very little difference sometimes they can be quite significant and um yeah the last thing you want to do is uh, end up with a major incident on your hands because you know the you're, you're working without um outdated chart data yeah, i mean so that would go against the captain's license if something like that was to happen or the master or it, yeah the master master and operator typically is they're the ones in in the frame and they're you know the regulations are, are directed at them but you know as i say it's it, it each case will be looked at on its individual merits but you know as i say it ranges from you know a survey deficiency that needs to be corrected 
to could be a detention, uh, port state controlled detention, or like you say, it could could be you know a li liability in a, in the event of an accident. So um, you know it is it is quite you know uh, an important factor. Chart correction, whether it be electronic or otherwise, is is key. My understanding, it's it's also uh, from an insurance standpoint. So Absolutely, if, you're, yeah. if you're not following the things that you're telling your insurance company you're doing to stay safe, uh, you know, they may say, yeah, you're not covered in this instance. You're not covered. But I mean, isn't that, um, Eric, a lot of what you guys at uh, Blue Water Super Yacht Bridge Services do is that you help with those sort of bridge navigation compliance issues isn't that the role of what you guys do in a lot of ways yeah i mean what you know ideally what we want to do is prevent these deficiencies from ever popping up on peter's radar right you know we want to kind of get them the tools that they need to do we, we can't obviously force boats to do anything um but we can give them, them give them the tools. right we can give them the tools and our understanding of the rules you know i Obviously, there's a lot that goes into a survey. I only ever look at bridge navigation, and that's where we specialize. So we try to give them advice based on that uh, to say, look, you know, if you want to pass flag state, and it's, it's not just to pass flag state. We want boats to navigate correctly. We want people to be safe. We want people to use, you know, yachts long term. Uh, so we want to provide them with the, the tools to do that, uh, which is interesting because in certain instances, the official charts may not be the best charts for where you're going. And you would need to still have them, but we'll often then recommend supplementary data so that you can have even more, you know, we, the, the informed mariner is a good mariner. So the more that you have to look at in front of you, uh, the more you can make good decisions. Hmm. No, that that's fantastic, and that's the, like one of the shows, Dave. We've talked over the over the last year or so is that um, you know getting a good agent. So when you're coming into a port, you hire good agents. That's going to make sure you that you get you know the best place to go. You get you know you handle all the right things with your visas correctly. That you you know follow all the rules of that particular area and region. The same kind of applies for navigation and getting a good. A provider like you guys and and having educated and experienced people that can provide them with the best tools at their at their disposal so and, and that's ultimately about safety and keeping everybody you know the crew and the and the local environment safe right and we you know we play we, we really try specifically not to interpret rules um we simply try to just explain what they are to boats you know that's that's absolutely peter's territory and and one that you know we we don't say that you know if, if you buy this from us you're guaranteed to you know pass your flag state passport state you know our, our goal is really just to aid them as much as we can at the end of the day the responsibility is on the yacht um but as much as we can help them we try to and and that's you know, a service that, that we provide. And that's something you guys have become very well known for um, around the world. And, and so, and then now, now moving to like the rules and, and the, and the guys who make it all happen, the port state control people, Pete, um, t I mean, tell me what's happening right now. I mean, so many of the, of the large super yachts worldwide are, are Cayman flagged. Um, are, I mean, I know that there's a number of the flag states that are making some adjustments or making some changes. We are going to have a show coming up about cybersecurity. And, you know, since that that rule just um, was implemented in January of this year, so that's coming up here in the next couple of weeks. 
but there's some other things that are out there happening um, that you guys are involved with that 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 really do impact not just the welfare and safety of the crew but their their comfort and but also in terms of uh, naval aviation i mean aviation of um of how the boats are designed and how they're created do you want to talk a little bit about that sure sure yeah thanks thanks yeah and i mean you know one of the things about the the larger industry is it's it's continually evolving i mean it's 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 very um yeah, it's probably very progressive. I mean, and, and you know, we're, we're with the the new construction market. Mm. You know, since COVID, the new construction market has taken off, and that's led to obviously a um, a growth in number of yachts being built, um, and also a growth in size. Um, now, of course, the large yacht code um, in its various guises. We're now with uh, Reg Yacht Code um, Part A, Reg Yacht Code Part B, which is uh, Part A for for large yachts up. And, and part B is for passenger yachts, but you know, simple simple fact of the matter is the yachts are getting bigger, um, and uh, the, the the equivalence is you know the, the large yacht code is based on uh, equivalence to the various convention standards, which has been submitted to the IMO as a as a you know this is an equivalent standard to build a yacht to that is safe and it meets the um, you know the the intentions of the, the convention. So that's that's the key thing. Um, so, but again, we we we're, we're constantly you know having to adapt because the you know the because of the, the the nature of the industry and the you know everything's getting bigger better faster um more you know environmentally friendly and one of those areas of course is 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 areas of crew accommodation now you know with the maritime labor convention um that entered into force in 2013 you know there are now strict requirements for uh, crew accommodation um you know, for cabin sizes, bunk sizes, availability of lockers, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, the, we, we, we introduced in LY3 some equivalents for large yachts, um, initially up to 3,000, um, and now that's been extended up to 5,000 gross tons. But believe it or not, you know, 5,000 gross tons is, is not a – is, is is not an uncommon occurrence in these days so we are finding that mm. you know vessels are getting bigger and then the the equivalent standards for crew accommodation just aren't there because they're limited to 5,000 so one of the things that the uh, the red ensign group who are obviously responsible for the um the red yacht code um uh, is to look at how do we deal with crew accommodation specifically for vessels over 5,000 now at the moment there is um there is a mechanism within the Maritime Labor Convention that allows for uh, novel arrangements or equivalent arrangements to be considered by um, a tripartite working group, which is effectively formed of the unions, the ship owner, uh, ship ship sorry, crew representatives, the ship owner representatives, and the administration. So, um, if you were um, let's say, for example, you were presented with a project that needed. Um, uh, you wanted to have an equivalence for the crew accommodation at the moment you would have to go to that body to agree that equivalence and of course that that's not a you know a, a small undertaking and and the crux of the matter is is really regarding single accommodation so the, the maritime labor convention requires um all all crews effectively to have their own cabin yeah, for on cargo ships uh, and, and not of course not yet, exactly. So okay. you you have to have your own accommodation. So, but most yachts up to up to five thousand are now able to have two two per cabin. Uh, and I'm talking about cargo ships, not passenger yachts. So I was just going to say what? 
Yeah. So, I so mean, yeah. You're gonna have to have for some of these yachts, the whole boat's gonna be is gonna be crew cabins. I mean. Well, that that that, and that's the that's the key, and and I think you hit the nail on the head, Kitty. I mean, that's probably the challenge. I mean, you would think that a a five thousand gross ton yachts, you would have plenty of space to fit all this accommodation in but you know it, it, it isn't it doesn't necessarily follow that that's the case so anyway to to to, to get to the point you know having no having each crew member in a single cabin is is quite a, a significant burden on the layout of the vessel so one of the things that the the the, the red ensign group are, are doing you know rather than trying to go down the tripartite route each time which is a lengthy uh you know lengthy process and there's no guarantees at the end of it um we we we, we determined that perhaps we should speak to the crew uh get get the crew opinion you know what is what are their views do they what you know how much do they put on having um their own space rather than sharing a cabin um you know are there other benefits that they could gain um if if we could you know if if, if the uh, they could live with a two berth cabin for example are there other benefits that could be used to offset that such as recreational space and 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 so on and so forth so the um the the red ensign group uh, formed a subgroup a large large op accommodation subgroup to look into this and we've uh, and we've developed a survey um, which i'd like to you know i don't know if there's it's possible to get a link out at some point yes to, we'll uh, have it yeah we'll put it out and then we'll also um, put it live on our website as well so, okay, that, and, so that anybody right. wants to be able to weigh in on that that's what we wanted to kind of let everybody know mm -hmm. that here's an opportunity to get your voices heard so if you're yeah um, we can do the same. Now, even though now yeah, yeah, that that'd be great, Dave. Um, I mean, now now the U.S. did not ratify the MLC, um, so how does that impact any U.S. vessels if if they were to adopt this stronger like single cabin? Well, I think thing? you know the thing is. You if, if, even though if you're not a signatory state, it, it, the convention is still enforced in in other. So whenever you bring that yacht to another, you know, if you bring that vessel to a a, a country that has enforced MLC under the port state control uh, principle of no more favorable treatment, that state is entitled to enforce in the same way as you know as if you were if, as if the vessel was flying the flag of a signatory. So um, obviously it's 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 um, you know, incumbent on someone who's going to operate a vessel internationally to take that into account. And if you're going to operate, now bearing in mind, Maritime Labor Convention only strictly applies to vessels in commercial activity. So if you build private, private, course, that's what I'm saying in terms you're of not, private. Yeah, exactly. You're not subject to the same restrictions. So that, that, that MLC, was the point I was trying to kind of like zoom back. Exactly, to exactly. But I mean, from from future proofing, uh, future proofing perspective, you know, often we get we you know. Because we supervise, you know, at the moment I think we're looking after about 180 projects under construction, and wow. um, and the thing is, we build we build under construction, and they they might eventually go to another flag. But the good thing is, they you know, once the vessel is delivered to with a statement of compliance, there's a there's a kind of line in the sand drawn, and for future proofing. So if if a future buyer decides to acquire that vessel and they want to go to commercial, then there's always that option. But if you don't build to that standard then you're never going to be able to meet that standard retrospectively so so yeah so so i think that the key thing about this this survey and if i could just come back to that is you know we, we want to ask crew you know you know what would you what do you see as key to your um 
comfort and safety on board and welfare on board and you know for example would you would you rather forego um, would you rather have your own cabin but have to share a bathroom with four other people which is permissible permissible under mlc or would you rather have a two-birth cabin with an ensuite and only share with two people so you know these are things that you know obviously we we would like to the opinions of crew because you know we can't as regulators we you know we can we can say what we like but you know we're not depends. the ones that are you know depends sleeping, who I'm sharing with. at the end of the day so depends <laughs> what, I mean, well that's said, a good day is a very good very valid point you could um, share with beyonce i'll be like i'm okay with uh, i'm okay with that i'm okay with that um, <laughs> no i i having said that i i tell you having worked on yachts many years ago and luckily, I'm, I'm not a very tall person, but the bunk was very long. And so I could store, and I was in the I was a chef in the galley, and I didn't have enough space for storage. So I used to store my extra stuff at the bottom of my bunk. What's your so spice? Like canned goods or dry goods or things. Yeah. A leg of um, ham. That and luckily, I, it didn't get in my way because I'm like short enough, and the bunk was like seven and a half feet long or something. So, it's, it's funny. It is something um, though that you do hear crew talking about, especially if they've just arrived to a new boat. Um, or they will comment on cabins quite often. Of oh, they got really nice cabins, or it's really small cabin. You know, it, it is. It, 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 of course, it's very important because it's that only little bit of space that you have for you on the boat. That or go forward on some boats for a, you know, a cigarette or something. Uh, but that's really the only places you can right. go to get away. I mean, honestly, how much time do you really spend in it? Although now, with all the mandatory... Ask my apps, teenage daughter that, Kitty. I know, but I mean, when I tell you when I was working on a boat, I, I spent very, very little time in my yeah. boat. I mean, because you're working or you're in the crew mess or you're, you know, like you say, outside or doing something that there's... There's precious little time there. Um, you know, I mean, I see, you know, making it comfortable, but I mean, we know the number one reason that a lot of yacht owners get out of yachting is because of crew challenges. Mm. Um, and if now I have to build a boat where half the boat is for cruise quarters, um, you know, it, it, where's the balance, you know, in terms of um, making it comfortable um, but you know, there it's, it's, it's essentially, it's not, you're not supposed to be living in slave quarters, obviously. I mean, I've heard some horror stories on some of these older boats where the crew had to go outside and climb down a, um, a ladder to get into a, like this hole. And, and I mean, and there's been some, some That's horror it. stories, but you don't I need mean, to go back to bygone. Times, I mean, really, Sorry, can I'm you... not talking about that long ago. That was like, no, I... like 25 years ago. But you look, you look at the sun, the sun reef, the sun reef 80. Uh, the crew cabins are literally open a hatch and climb down a ladder. Um, so oh, really? there, there are still boats out there where, where you have that kind of accommodation. But, uh, and, and I think, you know, I, I think we've come a long way. I mean, since I started uh, serving yachts in, in the late 90s, you know, the, we've come a long way. I mean, I, I can remember the, you know, some of the crew accommodations we used to see in the, in, in the, what I call them the bad old days where, you know, you, you, you essentially had a little coffin-shaped 
bunk that you know you couldn't even turn over without kicking the the, the side and we've come a long way and i think yeah. you know the maritime labor convention obviously has done a lot to to assist in that that regard and bearing in mind it only applies to you know new constructions after the kill was laid, you know, after after 2013 after entry into force so there's still a lot of yachts out there that were built before that that probably wouldn't comply with mlc but you know we we, we are finding that you know it, it, and and i in the beginning i mean i remember i was involved in quite a few panel sessions that you know people were thinking that mlc was going to kill the new construction industry but you know because of the equivalence that the you know the the red ensign group developed with industry and you know with the unions involved and and the ilo of course um you know it, it did it didn't materialize there wasn't that uh, that 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 you know nail in the coffin of the industry and the industry's just gone from strength to strength but as you say now as vessels get bigger then it's logical that you know you should be able to fit more and more crew accommodation in um mm. but typically you know and, and as you would expect obviously the the owner space has to increase naturally with the size of the vessel you'd expect i mean that's you know we, we can't forget that i mean the the owners are there this for their enjoyment um and and for the end users but you know so i think really it's it's um yeah, I think it's just a recognition that, you know, crew plays a very important part in the safe um, and, and the overall enjoyment of the vessel for the owner. So, you know, if they can be as comfortable, um, as happy as they can be, um, then, of course, that's got to add that's got to add up to a better, better solution for all. A better so, experience for the owner. Can, can I ask, Peter, uh, most boats that I, that I know of, they're limited to 12 guests when at sea. Is there a limit on crew? Not, no. I mean, you just need to have accommodation for them. Um, yeah, but the no... crew is essentially. Lim- you're not limited to. Sorry? You're not limited to a maximum of twelve crew. If you wanted twenty crew in there, that's okay. Because there are many boats. Like I have a friends in in Cap Tai. They've got an eighty-five meter boat, and it's limited to twelve guests. Uh, but you know, if they've they've got tons of crew on there. Like, there's lots of them um so you're not limited yeah, i mean and the, and the yeah the i mean obviously the, the 12 guest limitation comes from solas which mm. you know essentially anything more than 12 12 guests is a passenger ship so they they become a different animal and passenger ship the you know if you're a passenger ship whether you're private or commercial you're carrying more than 12 passengers you're a passenger ship. there's so, been a lot of conversation um, about that in recent yeah, I think times it's changing got, correct got yeah. so yeah. you know that you kind of say well you know so less really matter but if you had a 400 foot yacht i mean or a 350 foot yacht at 12 guests you think how hmm. is this relevant when you had a 100 foot yacht that makes sense you know, as they're adapting all these other things, some of these other laws have not come along yeah. as well without, um, maybe, without maybe maybe there's a conversation for another day. I don't know how much time we have, but that, that's no, the we're reason we're, we, we that's the reason we created the passenger yacht code. I mean, the passenger yacht code, which is part B of the reg yacht code, is designed for those vessels carrying 13 to 36 passengers. And then again, it pr- applies passenger ship terminology and theory to to a, a largest uh, a predominantly a larger yacht because to build a PYC passenger yacht code to you know say 500 gross tons is problematic because of the life you know LSA requirements but you know it's not impossible but it's not easy I, so, and, and it becomes uh, unsightly yeah. in a lot of ways with the waterproof doors and there's things you got to trip over and 
But uh, Dave, what are you saying? I, I was going to say, I think, Peter, you're, you're right. I would love to actually uh, have you back on and, and yourself, Eric, uh, because I, I think there's a lot more that we can unravel here uh, and learn. Tons. But unfortunately, we're out of time. And, uh, I know, unfortunately, because of technical difficulties, but you can reach Eric, uh, Eric Spire, <laughs> who's director of sales at uh, Blue Water um, Super Yacht Bridge Services, um, right through there. You can find him on the U.S. Super Yacht Association website. That's ussuperyacht.com. Or Peter Southgate, we get calls for the Cayman Islands Registry on our on our phone number all the time. So. You can find Cayman Island registries and Peter Southgate's yeah. information right at ussuperyacht.com. Or cishipping.com as well if you if you want to go to the website. Thank you. Yep, you can find them and they can help you out whatever you need. And we will post that link for the uh, survey. And anybody, anybody that's out there, especially crew that are listening, we really do want to hear what you have to say because it's important on that, that the regulators actually hear straight from the horse's yeah. mouth what's going on. And, uh, and as always, Dave, um, you know, here at U.S. Super Yacht, we're very thankful for the opportunity to, you know, spread some good words. And I know we'll have, you know, Peter and uh, Eric back again because we have lots, yeah, of, lots of stuff to talk about and talking about cybersecurity and some other well, things coming up here very happy. shortly as yeah. well. So. Happy to. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks great. for having me. And Thank uh, you very much for having me. Yes. Thank you. I feel I feel a lot smarter having having listened to you. <laughs> Feeling better about yourself, are you? I do. Well, there, there's actually a lot of things you hit on there that you know I I, I didn't know, and and I I found that very educational, and and reaffirmative. There was stuff I did know, and it's like, hey, I knew that, so I was quite happy. But um, thank Dave, you. I only bring you the very best, babe. <laughs> you too. You do. You know, in the early days, Kitty, I thought you just brought people that you wanted out of your life. That you'd bring them, they'd meet me, and go, oh, stay, stay away from Kitty. She's got this guy, Dave, in her life. But, um, we said, Our new more, victims are fitting right in. It's all good. Well, the, 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 the more we've gone on, the more I realize, actually, no, you, you, you bring in some real quality to the show, and it's certainly up to our benchmark here, so I very much appreciate it. And I very much appreciate Thank your guys' you. time and uh, and sharing that information Thank with you. us. That's, uh, it's been very valuable. Um, and well, as well, Thank you. And as always, that has been um, a for Happy two Independence Day to any Happy Independence Day. Well. Yes. Yeah. 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 Enjoy. What are you What What are you doing for the? We're gonna squeeze out the next show a bit longer. Uh, what, what are you guys doing for uh, July Fourth? Is it? You, you've got no restrictions anymore. We have a hurricane anymore? coming this way. Yeah, so, we've got a couple um, of days. <laughs> we have a hurricane headed this way, so ah, we'll be uh, in between race hours. We'll be uh, throwing a couple of hot dogs on the grill and having a couple of cocktails. I'm sure. Super. Well, whatever you do, have a have a great time. Enjoy yourselves, and uh, and again, thank you for your time here on the show, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Update USSA. Not that I need to tell you anymore. The beautiful and wonderful Kitty. And uh, our great guests, both Peter and Eric. Again, our thanks from the station. Uh, do apologize. We're running a little bit over time here. If you've missed the news, uh, go online. Check out CNN. They're really good. Uh, until next time, uh, do take care of each other. Take care of yourself. And uh, stay safe. You're listening to Super Yacht Radio Update USSA. This is Super Yacht Radio.